listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to talk um, particularly about three words. When uh, Pastor Jeremy opened up the introduction a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, he put it out there for a bunch of words, and a bunch of words came forward. Well, today we're going to focus on three. Renew, restore, and revive. And we're going to have a look at our part in the transaction, and we're going to have a look at God's part in the transaction. And that's critical. And... um, we're going to have some fun and games. I hope you guys and girls like cars because the big illustration at the bottom is all about a particular car. But let's start with um, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Now, let's see if this works for me. There's a button that I'm not pressing. Yes. 2 Corinthians 4.16. So do not lose heart. Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Uh, I look around and I'm pretty well there. I reckon I'm close to the oldest guy here. Um, Though our outer man is wasting away. I look at this body and I don't think that it's getting any younger. I don't think the skin is getting any more tent tense and tight. I don't think the bones are regenerating. I don't think the ligaments are doing all their job. But our inner man, my inner person, is being renewed day by day. My translation is that the outer body is deteriorating. That's fairly obvious to anyone who's known me for a bunch of years. (laughs) Fairly obvious, especially Effie. No comment. But you see, the soul and the spirit are being invigorated and reinvigorated day by day by day by day. And and so theoretically, the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to the end of our time here on earth, we should be invigorated to the max. Well, that's what it says. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. A long time ago, God uh, convinced me that I was in the prime of my life. But it wasn't that long ago. It was only a couple of years ago. And I said, God, you got it all wrong. Um, A few decades ago, I may have been in the prime of my life. But right now, I don't think I am. And the Holy Spirit very clearly said, you are in the prime of your life, of the stage of life you're in. Younger ones, you are in the prime of your life of the stage of life you are in. Anyone who's a little bit older, you're in the prime of your life, in the stage of life you're in. And we need to accept that and see that as a motivation to actually be able to do that which God has called us upon. So, let's start the first one. I drooled when I saw that. A 1937 supercharged Bugatti Type 57S Atlante. In 1937, 130 miles an hour. One of only 17 ever made, and it had a reading of 26,824 kilometres travelled. 
And you see that in the shed and you think, hmm, looks good, but, but. But see, when God looks at us, the but turns into, I see you the way you are, but I know the potential that's in you. And the potential is what Jesus desperately wants to work with us through the Holy Spirit to achieve the goals and the standards and the satis that he wants us to. So, if that's in the condition that it is, how on earth do we renew that? Well, we've got to get lots of car parts, lots of car parts, and we've got to replace the old with the new. Siri was right. There was a broken piece in that, and that is time. Time just deteriorated, and something had to come in and remake it again. So after we've spent time looking at that, bits and pieces change. They become new. Um, that little car now becomes that. That's worth about $10 million. That's all. <laughs> That's all, just 10 million. Because someone had the interest, the passion, and the capacity to renew it. Do you know anyone on earth or in the heavens who has the passion and the ability to renew any one of us? Yes, I do. I do. God the Father knows us so intimately. He knows what bits and pieces need to be replaced, but he wants to focus on the key bits, not what is actually just causing me pain. It's not just my shoulders and back and knees and hip and uh, elbows and fingers and wrists. and you know, th That's not what God is really interested in. Let me show you what model he's interested in. This model is 1948, speed 0 to 10 kilometres, maybe 10 minutes, maybe, if, if this person's not exhausted by the end of it. Mileage, well used and fairly worn. Only one ever made, just an original. There's only one of you ever made and ever will be made. You are unique and I'm unique. The power, it's not V8 supercharged, it's spirit-fired. The spirit is what spurs me on day by day by day. The value, not 10 million, but enough for the king of kings to die for him. Enough for the king of kings to die for you. That's the value that he put on each one of us when he went to the cross. The condition, being renewed daily, fully restored in status as a king's kid, but constantly needing tuning. Not famous like a Bugatti, but still unique. Alan Cleanthus, you can put your name there. That Bugatti, there were 17 of them made, only one of me, only one of you. That's how special God sees you. But see, God isn't that much interested in all the other bits, you know, that car shape thing with all the car parts. God's interested in three big areas according to the Bible. The heart. Because Proverbs says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And if our heart is not good, our speech will be even worse. Our mind, it needs to be transformed. And we'll look at some scriptures. And he also talks about he shall renew our strength. Is it that strength or is it something else? Well, it could be something else, I suspect. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So that's not muscles. That's not muscles and strength and power. We can power lift a few hundred kilos. That's nothing like what God wants us to do. What he wants us to do is have the strength and the energy the conviction to do that which he has called us to. And trust me, that needs a lot of strength sometimes. When the flesh is fighting and saying, I don't want to go. I have no interest in going. That person has had 10 chances before. I'm not going again. But God says, go. Okay, we'll go again. And we'll give it a go. Sometimes it feels like... We're being attacked from all sides. And indeed we are. Ephesians 2, 2 to 3, mentions three sources of attacks. The world. I mean, you all know that this world is heaping attacks on us. You only have have to read the papers or see the television news and you'll know that this world is actually anti-Christian. Very much so. The world. The ruler of the kingdom of the air. Satan. He's actively against us as well. And the third one is the one that we have control over, the cravings of our flesh. Wouldn't it be good to do this? Or hang on, what would God think about it? Wouldn't it be good if I did this and no one saw me do this? Mm, No. The cravings of the flesh are deeply ingrained in all of us. And so when we have these attacks, the world... Satan and our own flesh, it's no wonder that we get tired and we need to renew our strength to be able to walk the walk that God wants us to walk. The heart is another fascinating one. After David's sin with Bathsheba was exposed by Nathan, Nathan the prophet, David says in Psalm 51:10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. With all of God's changes, the spirit is very active, very active. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Well, hang on, I just want my heart changed, my spirit's okay, thanks. No, no, no. Because as we saw earlier, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That was the cry of David in Psalms. And God answered in Ezekiel. Yes. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Can any one of us 
change our heart? You, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, I don't think too many people would know, but there was a, um, a pastor in Western Australia who was living here in Adelaide, um, but he had a massive power, uh, sorry, heart failure, and it just powered down. Um, he went, Mary was his wife's name, Derek. Uh, and he went to uh, Western Australia, and he had a wonderful, successful ministry in the CRC, and... Um, when his heart gave up, he lined up for a heart transplant and he took it upon himself to ride from Perth to Melbourne on a push bike with a support team, with his new heart. He could not have done that with the old heart, but the new heart gave him the ability to do it. When God gives us a new heart, not a heart of stone like we used to have, but when he gives us a new heart, he gives us also the ability to do that which he wants us to do. The interesting thing is that one day I met him in uh, the Seton Church at a national conference and I, I said to him, so, mate, how are you doing with your, with your heart? Um, have you noticed any changes? He said, no, everything's fine. I, I can do this, I can do that, I can... I, as you know, I rode from Western Australia to uh, Victoria to Melbourne. Um, no, it's all good. And we talked for about half an hour to an hour. And as we were talking, he said, Alan, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. For no reason at all, I start weeping. See, the new heart that he got was a female heart. And that female heart, after talking with the relatives was quite a softie. But she died. And in passing on her heart to him, he picked up some small attributes from that person. When God gives us a heart of flesh, the stone is removed, it's choked away, and we pick up his attributes. Can we ask for any more than that? That we no longer are dealing with our mess and our thinking and our blah, 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 but we now have God's heart and we can tune into what he wants up for us each and every day. Our heart is a powerful tool. We should treat it as such. We should guard it as such. We should bring it to God regularly to tune it. Our mind is just a bigger problem. Romans 12, 2, very well known. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I must admit that even with a transformed mind that works occasionally, I have a lot of trouble deciding which is good which is acceptable, and which is perfect. How much worse would it be if I didn't have a transformed mind because the spirit and the flesh battle constantly. But with the transformed mind, we have a better chance of locking in to what God wants us to lock into and get his heart and his perspective. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 is a beautiful, beautiful passage. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Then 
Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Then put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That passage very much reminds me about what Joel shared last week about the new wine and the old wineskin. See, when you have old wineskin with old wine in there, when you put new wine in there, the fermentation process kicks off again and is more active than just in the new wine. And then with the overactive fermentation, the wineskin will crack, it will break, and the wine will be spilt on the ground. First of all, we have to put off your old self. We can't just come to Jesus and say, hey, everything's good, I'm going to add you to my life. Well, first of all, we have to put off the old self. We have to make room for Jesus to come in. And once we've made room, then we will be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And then we will be able to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We need to unshackle that amazing brain. I lie. We need to unshackle our mind. Our brain is the same. But we need to unshackle the mind, the way we think, the way we process. Interestingly, that the Bible does not ever talk about brain. Never. And yet it does talk about mind. And mind is the way we process, the way we use our brain, which is our mind. There's a lovely passage. If I can... Oops, have I stumbled? No, can you help me, Jericho? Because it doesn't want to work. If we can click on to the next one. Yep, lovely. Thank you. Isaiah 57.15. And there's a version there from the English... Uh, standard version, and from the message. They give two wonderful perspectives. For thus is the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you have... A contrite and lowly spirit, God's dwelling in you. He wants to revive the spirit of the lowly. And he, he talks a lot about that. He, he talks about if you're invited to a, to a supper, to a, a wedding, to anything, sit at the back. And if they want you to sit at the front, they will invite you to the front. Don't sit at the front and then get pushed at the back. That lowly, choose to be second. Choose to be second. The message says it like this. A message from the high and towering God who lives in eternity, whose name is holy. I live in the high and holy places, but also with the low-spirited and the spirit crushed. And what I do is put new spirit in them. Get them up and on their feet again. We all have downtimes. We all have downtimes. But unless there are clinical episodes, there's no reason to stay down. We need to go to God and get Him to lift us up. 
according to here. He puts a new spirit in us. He gets us up and going on our feet again. You know, the average, uh, it blew me away, but the average length of time that a national revival over the years, over the decades, over the centuries has lasted is six years. Six years. When God moves on our spirit and we are renewed, we are restored as king's kids and we are revived, personal revival is forever. Not six years. Forever. As long as you're alive and in a genuine living relationship with the Lord, you are revived. And you're in that relationship with God who loves you and wants the best for you. God doesn't want national revivals to the detriment of personal revivals. How are you going in your walk? Is there a heart, a mind? Is there general weakness that you need topping up? God's able to restore that and give it back to you. But see, just the same as Moses, when he said, let my people go, Moses didn't say, make my people go. And God doesn't say, make your heart good. But we've got to let revival, we've got to let restoration, we've got to let renewal happen. We have to give God's Holy Spirit permission to come into our being, work with us, change us, so that we will be more conformed to the image of Christ and to what God wants us to do. The best way I can sum it up is through a wonderful passage, uh, not that one, but that's good, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Well, hang on, that was written, Psalms 51, that's Old Testament, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I thought we got saved when Jesus died on the cross. But see, in the Old Testament, they had to comply with all the rules, 613 of them, plus all many others, I believe, just to be saved. That was a lot of hard work. We no longer have to do the hard work. Jesus has done all the hard work. All we have to do is align ourselves with what Jesus has already done. But 1 Peter 5.10 is beautiful. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. I've got them down there because we'll explore each one of them briefly. Restore is as in resetting a bone once it's broken. Uh, I've broken quite a few bones in my body and I know that they've got to be restored. They've got to be reset. So once it's reset, it's restored. It's happening again. Then we've got to confirm it. And we confirm it by placing placing the arm, leg or whatever it is in a cast. And as I mentioned earlier, with that cast, it can be quite painful and limiting, but it's doing its work. It's doing its work. Sometimes if you feel that God has put you in a cast that you don't want to be, trust him that he actually knows what he's doing. And that cast is there to give you time to get that limb in a more healthy place. Strengthen, while it's healing, it's actually getting stronger. If you try to do what you used to do, years ago when I was at school, I broke my wrist. And while I had the cast on my wrist, I could play cricket and baseball because the cast did all the limiting things. 
As soon as I took the cast off, I was a weakling. I could barely hold the bat, could barely hold it. Leave that cast on as long, as long as you need to so that it will get as strong, as strong as it needs to. And establish you. Being established is to provide a foundation for going forward. If we try and move ahead with broken bones that aren't set, we'll trip, we'll stumble. If we have a broken spirit, we will trip and stumble. We need to do it his way. Restored, confirmed, strengthened and established in our spirit. The problem is that the danger is that I can think, I can do it. I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone else. I can exclude others. They'll only get in the way. Don't even bother asking them, for goodness sake, you know what to do, just do it. Others won't do as good a job as I can, so I won't ask. If you've ever worked with someone that you're trying to teach a job or a skill to, you know that that is true. You don't want to actually do that unless you want to develop them. And you know, God wants to develop us and he wants to work with us, but we have to let him. Unless you want a, a mass road experience, unless you want to be like Paul who's riding and gets zapped. But normally... We would want to be engaged with God in a way that says, yes, God, I need you to help me so that I can do the things that you want me to do the way you want me to do in a timely fashion according to your ways. I invite you in to help me do that which you want me to do. Just before the final wrap-up, um, I have a wonderful story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I... Um, I went to have some scans on my leg, more scans, more legs, more things. And the, the guy invited me in and we're sitting down and as he's talking, giving me instructions, I said to him, what accent is that that you've got? And uh, he said, um, Canadian. I said, oh, so when did you come out here? And he says, I was born and bred here in Australia. I said, no. You have a strong Canadian accent. Where did it come from? He said, well, it's like this. My mum is Canadian, and she talks non-stop. <laughs> so he picked up a Canadian accent just by being in the presence of his mum, who is Canadian. Some of you are already ahead of me. Can we pick up God's heartbeat? Can we pick up God's accent? Because he too is always talking to us. He's always guiding and steering us and confirming us and telling us, do this, don't do that. Do, don't. He's constantly talking to us. How many of us can say that we've picked up the heartbeat, the accent of God? And yet that's what God wants us to do. He so wants to talk with us, to dialogue with us, to treat us as apprentices and show us what to do, that he wants to renew us. He restored us at the cross. And the revival is constantly and ongoing in a daily, daily way. So how do you listen to God? 
How do you choose to spend time with God? We all have different ways. Uh, I remember quite a while back, um, Paul and I spoke about a dedicated chair that we have in our home, and that's where we do business with God. And, you know, I, I discovered that God actually likes coffee. While I'm holding a cup of coffee with some nice music in the background and talking to God, God is comfortable. I don't have to be on my knees, prostrate, and crying out, although sometimes that's necessary, but in my favourite chair, having a cup of coffee, talking with God about what's going on in my life. Building that relationship and trust up. That's what it's all about. So how do we do that? As we come to a close. Even though it may make our eyes water, as we do when we're peeling an onion, we must open ourselves up to the need for and the dependence on the Holy Spirit. Unless we open up ourselves, all we're doing is showing to God the outer layers. Do you think that's all that God is interested in? God wants to know the inner layers, the inner hurt, the inner pain, the inner distractions, the inner, the inner, the inner, the inner. December 2003, we had a prophecy at church. And that prophecy was given at a time when we were probably at our lowest. Uh, the, the church that had been unified, um, two churches merged together, was probably at its worst. Uh, we probably had about 20 to 25 people at church. And this woman, who I wouldn't have seen as a prophetess, gave us this prophecy. Revival is coming. It's coming to the Lefevre Peninsula. The fire is coming. Revival is coming. It is coming to the Lefevre Peninsula, coming to the people of God. It is going to fall upon his people in such a way, an astonishing way, his people will be astounded. When in his power and fire fall, they won't know themselves. Through your church, though your church is small, God will expand and grow your church. God only needs a handful of faithful people for revival to start revival. This will not be of the flesh, but by the spirit of the living God. It is not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. Only believe and receive and it will happen says the Lord. As you spend time in his presence and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, speak revival into being. It will happen. It will come to pass. And we bounce from 20 to 25. I can honestly tell you that the majority of the people who came at that time were people who had an active role at church. They were either the stewards, the preacher, the musos, or anything. Uh, we had no one else. The church was in disarray. And God got us to bouncing towards a hundred. And we saw a glimpse of that revival. And now I am hoping, praying, wishing to see God's fulfilled action 
in reviving this church so it can be a powerful lighthouse to the community because the community is broken and they're desperate to see the real community, the community of God, reach out in love. Even what Sam uh, put out on, um, on Facebook on that uh, chart, one helping another, how good is that? And we can do that. We can do that. But it means, like that onion, we have to layer ourselves open. Bow the knee. Come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for what I have done that I shouldn't have done. I'm sorry for what I haven't done that I should have done. And as we do that, focus on the fact that he's renewed our heart, our mind. He's given us the strength to do all that he requires us to do through his Holy Spirit. If it's just our strength, it will crash and burn. Through his Holy Spirit, it will have a lasting effect as we pass it on to our friends, to our community, to those around us. I'd love to um, close in a brief prayer, but also to give an opportunity for people to be Oh, revived by the Holy Spirit? Are things getting too tough? Are they getting you down? Now's the time, as we read through the scriptures, that God will bounce us back to do the things that he wants us to do. Are you confused about direction? God's Holy Spirit wants to give you clarity. Are you unsure about your abilities or gifts? God's Spirit wants to clarify that, to remind you of what he's given you. And as each one of us is personally revived, revival that will last, we will be infectious to the community at large. Let's not put new wine in old wineskin. Let's clear the wine, the old wine, from the old wineskin and make it ready to receive the new wine, fresh and vibrant, so that it doesn't burst the skin and spill the wine. Father God, thank you for your amazing word. It clarifies and confirms so clearly that we can't do what you want us to do unless you're leading and guiding us. Unless you comforting us unless you're strengthening us unless you renew our heart so that it's not the old heart that we have thank you Lord that the brain cells that you have given us can be rewired and we can have the mind of Christ and think like Jesus Christ and outwork all that he has given us oh Lord renew us we pray Daily, daily we wear out. Thank you for restoring us at the cross. But may we spend time being revived by you when we hit the depths of despair or depression or oppression, when we find things too hard. May we seek you and your Holy Spirit and seek that energy and that strength that only the Holy Spirit can give. Look at our heart, Lord. Look at our heart and see that it's towards you. And if there are gaps, then we give you permission to plug those gaps up.
with your Holy Spirit so that we don't leak too much. Holy Spirit of God, have your way we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we come. Amen. We're just going to have some worship time now just to focus on God and what he has for us. And if you do want prayer, by all means come at the front and people will gather around you or just put your hand up and people will gather around you where you are. It's people ministry. Is the Holy Spirit alive and well in you? Our great theologian at a table where we did our study says, we don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. So let's, like the onion, peel ourselves open and lay ourselves before him. Mm-hmm.